Alrighty, guys, welcome to episode 29 of MTG Radio. This is Trevor. And this is Tom, and it's just the two of us on this cast. Yep, sadly there are no girls, there is no Kevin, though, that is kind of redundant. Um, but yeah, it's just the two of us, and we are, again, in different places, so no real high fives, which I know depresses me greatly, and I'm sure it depresses Tom. Right, Tom? Dude, it makes me sad. Like, I was going to go, hey, Trevor, high five, because we can sing just the two of us, and then we still can sing just the two of us, but it won't be a real high five. Yeah, and you're not singing that. I've just the two of us. Uh, uh, we can make it if we try. Okay. Just okay. the two of us. Please you Please and Alright, so, um, we've already established that we can't start on topic, but we can use a transition to get there. How about them spoilers, Tom? I love the spoilers, and I love Evan Irwin even more for these spoilers. But, to skip Evan Irwin in that conversation, let's just go straight to the spoilers. Would you like the first one? Um, I actually would like the first one, because there's something that I want to mention besides the fact that it got spoiled. And the first one that we're going to mention, mind you, we use MTG Salvation for our source of spoilers. Or at least the list that is conveniently vertical, so we can scroll down and read accordingly. And the first one on that list that isn't Kozilek is... I am, by the way, totally going to butcher this name. Paltharaza of Ulmog. It's totally Pathraiser of Ulmolog. Ulmolog? Ulmolog. Yeah, Pathraiser of Ulmolog. I'll totally totally concede it is Pathraiser, but Pathraiser of Ulmolog. Um, The art of this card, which normally is not the first thing I bring up, but it's kind of important because it's the same art that we brought up for the contest. And I'm sure a few listeners are wondering, like, what's going to happen with the contest? The contest is still on. Everything is still going to go as planned. Um, as you can see, something about this, it's a colorless creature Eldrazi. It costs 11 colorless mana. It's just a creature Eldrazi. It's uncommon. It is Annihilator 3, so whenever it attacks, defending player sacrifices 3 permanents. And we, um, we're going to call him uh, Barney, because he's big and purple. When Barney, or Barney can't be blocked except by three or more creatures, and he's a 9-9. So, that is, that is him as it stands right now. But in terms of the contest, we can still use his art, and the contest was, just to remind people, to create a legendary Eldrazi creature using that art by April 11th, and first place is gonna get two packs of World Wake, and second place is gonna get a pack of World Wake. So. And the third place is gonna get our love and affection. Admiration, not affection. Hey. If I want to give affection, Trevor, I give affection. That sounded creepy and awkward. So I think you should you should talk about... Well, I'm going to talk about this guy. In terms of EDH, um, I really don't know how to talk about like, colorless cards. Because he can, he can go in any EDH deck. So he's a 9-9 for 11 in any EDH deck, which is pretty cool. And the Annihilator ability plus um, the blocking restriction is really awesome. Because if you yeah. attack... Go ahead. It it technically gets rid of six permanents at once, if you really think about it. I mean, unless they have to first sacrifice three things when you attack, then they have to block for three creatures if they want to block it. And I'm sure they don't want to get hit for nine, so you should at least take out two of the creatures, possibly all of them, as a good trade. So, I mean, he's good for what he does. He's great for blue decks that need a win condition. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, he could see play in pretty much any EDH deck. That's the thing about this set. The Eldrazi spells, since they're colorless, can really go in any EDH deck if you just need that spot for a big honking creature. I mean, yeah. green decks, maybe not, because they have cards that are 
kind of in a way better. I would say, like I look at this card and I'm like I would rather play Terastodon in a green deck, but they're also really hard to compare. So, but I think we can move on to spoiler numero dos. Well, before we move on to Mammoth Umbra, okay. I would like to mention the fact that this guy is an uncommon. Um, I know we're basically an EDH. We are an EDH podcast. We are. But in terms of limited... We, we try to be, but okay. In terms of limited, the fact that there's uncommon Eldrazi really speaks something about this set and how it's going to be drafted. The fact that they're not all mythic bid guys and that you're more than likely going to see more than one Eldrazi in a draft means that not only is the format more than likely going to be slower, but there's going to be Eldrazi hitting you in limited, which I'm sure is scaring some people. Yeah, that's going to but, be uh, weird. But yeah... Let's go to Mammoth Umbra, which is going to superpower a deck, and I'm sure Trev and I are going to say the same deck at once, but we're just going to talk about it now. So Mammoth Umbra, it costs four and a white. It's an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three, and has vigilance. Okay, so already you're like, okay, this card sort of sucks. The keyword ability is pretty awesome. It has totem armor. Which means, if the enchanted creature would be destroyed, instead, remove all damage from it, and destroy this aura. So, Trevor, what deck... I believe... To... Uh, nope. You cut out there for a sec there. But, uh, I believe what you were asking was, what deck do I think Ant-Lamath would go in? Yeah, and we're going with three, two, one... Earl. Earl. Yeah. The fact is that you play Earl... Then you put Mammoth Umber on him. He becomes a 10-10 Vigilancing uh, Earl the Miststalker, who first of all, with Troll Shroud, and now with Totem Armor, so that the usual way you had to kill Earl was with a wipe effect. Now he needs two. (laughs) Yeah, it's a five-mana aura, which is but it's an uncommon... It might even see play in limited, but for EDH, this screams Earl, as well as Rafik in some cases, but mainly Earl. Yeah, the fact that the, basically the fact that the totem armor ability in itself can get through. The other thing about this is because it's, it's an uncommon and it has a keyword. We know there's going to be at least four more of these to be a cycle. Whenever there's a keyword, they like to show it off. Stuff like wither, stuff like retrace, cards that. Abilities that Wizard likes to play with, they they definitely like to play with. So expect Totem Armor to be around, and if... I know a lot of people are saying if they print it cheap enough, there's a possibility it might even see standard play. Gasp and appall. But a word that rhymes with appall is wall. And that brings me very conveniently to mnemonic wall. That was a terrible transition. I just... Oh, wow. That that made me ill, moving from that to... Okay. Mnemonic Wall is a creature wall. It's a common. Costs four and a blue. It's a zero-four with Defender. When Mnemonic Wall enters the battlefield, you may return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. This card is incredibly versatile in, in the terms of what you can return. It's really good. Uh, it's kind of like another Nuklevy effect, or I think, is it Cronarch was another one that returned instants and sorceries? And I'm sure it can fuel a few degenerative combos, but it can also be used just to get back, I don't know, spin into myths in a thought of a EDH deck. I like Mnemonic Wall a lot. What about you, Tom? If you're there. Uh, sorry about that, Trevor. Um, I like Mnemonic Wall. 
I think it's the mnemonic wall. Mnemonic wall. Uh, again, I'm sure you just messaged it. Is it Cronarch? The best part about this is no need to splash red anymore just to get back an instant accessory card. Right, because, I mean, the, the other two cards I mentioned were, well, Nuckleby's hybrid and is it Cronarch is gold. So that would go good in, like, a Giora deck. But now you could do have a similar, uh, well, the same effect in a mono blue deck. Yeah, it's definitely a good ability. I mean, a lot of people, it just, it gives you advantage, man. When you cast that Factor Fiction and then you cast your Mnemonic Wall and get back Factor Fiction, you just got way ahead in any race. Yeah. All right. So really quick aside before we get to Corpse Hatch, which I'll let you talk about, if you had to keyword this ability, what would you call it? Uh, the ability to return a sorcery or instant card from your graveyard to your hand? Yes. Replenish. I was going to call it Relearn. Ooh, I like relearn. But if it was a keyword, though, I mean, that would mean there'd have to be a lot more things to the turn target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. And if they did, I mean, dude, the ability itself is really powerful to be able to return instant or sorceries. And if they keyword it, there's going to be a lot more like this. I don't know about that, man. Yeah, that might be too good. But you can move on to Corpse Hatch if, you, if you'd like. I would love to. And the main reason why is because it's going to be an EDH staple. Corpse Hatch. For three black black, it's a sorcery, uncommon. Destroy two target... Destroy target non-black creature. Never mind, not going to be an EDH staple. I thought it said destroy two target non-black creatures. So, destroy target non-black creature. Put two zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield. They have sacrificed this creature. Add one to your mana pool. Um, I like it. It's slow, but it's going to net you mana. I mean, next turn you're going to have 8 mana available if you hit another land drop. I think it's good in accelerating out those expensive generals like Kalatis, Blood Chief, or Get of Get. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I don't think... I, I know you you made a mistake when you said it would be a staple. I really don't see it being a staple. Oh, no, not at all. Well, originally I thought I said destroy 2 target non-black creatures, mm. and then I was going to have to compare it to Ashes to Ashes. But then I decided that I had read the card wrong, and I was completely incorrect. Yeah, it's reading, just destroy target non-black creature. Yeah, reading is tech, by the way. Just letting you know. Um, but yeah, I, think, I hate you, Trip. <laughs> you're welcome. I think Corpse Edge, it might find a place somewhere. It, it gives you creatures. It gives you two zero ones to do something with. Um, these creatures have a sacrifice ability, which is always good. So if you have Grave packed out, they're even better. And it's another black removal spell. So... Honestly, it's not it's not awful, but I'm sure there's better cards for EDH. But, I mean, if you're just starting and you need some black removal spells to throw in your deck and all of your friends are playing with obnoxiously huge Eldrazi spells, play Corpse Patch, kill their Eldrazis, get some spawns, and have fun. You know what else is fun? Oh, please don't make a really stupid transition again. No, 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 I was going to say Magic the Gathering. It is, but anyway. Um, Valakut Firebore. I can't even make a transition to this because this guy would not be fun to play with. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be fun, but the problem is he's not Doran colors. Why would that Which even then, that would be horrible, because no. then he'd be a 1-1 one, one when he attacks. Okay, just continue and talk about this guy. Okay, Tom, you need to. You made that mistake before we even started recording. <laughs> Alright, Valakut Firebore is a creature elemental boar. He costs 4 and a red. Whenever Valakut Firebore attacks, switches power and toughness until end of turn. It is 1-7, and it's an uncommon. I, I, I don't know. I don't see this having a home anywhere. EDH limit, maybe limited, but 
it, it just okay. Like, it's 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 trying to be convertible turtle, but it's not. It's convertible pig. It's convertible boar. Eh, same difference. You nah, it it, you it just card. doesn't feel like a good card. You know what I mean? You're paying five first of all, and then you're getting a one seven, which attacks it's a seven one. Seven ones are fragile, man. Give it trample. Make it a good card for me. Give it trample. Yeah, I mean, it already costs five mana. I don't see the issue with putting trample on this guy. Exactly. Especially or, uh, because he has, he's only going to have one toughness when he attacks, so he's going to die. Like he dies to a 1-1 one, one when he attacks. And you don't even get extra damage in. So you'd have to wipe the whole board. But even if, let's say, you wipe the board with a chain reaction, or you wipe it, because you're in red, you're going to wipe it with a chain reaction. You're going to wipe it with a seismic shutter, maybe. You're going to wipe it with a volcanic fallout. When you decide to attack, he dies in that same turn. Oh, so yeah. I don't even see the point in having this card. It's bad. I don't suggest playing with it. If you can prove me otherwise, you get a cookie. Don't promise people cookies because I'm sure someone will build an awesome Valkyrie Fireboard deck and crush face with it. I doubt it. But yeah. I'll let you talk about the last card, Praise Vengeance. Sweet. So this is going to be an awesome limited card, and that's it. Uh, it's Praise Vengeance. It's an instant for a green. It's an uncommon. Actually, thank God it's an uncommon. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. The most important part about this card is rebound. Woohoo, more keywords. If you cast this spell from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. So a lot of limited interactions happen with this card. You block with your guy and you pump him with Praise Vengeance. Then on your next turn, you get to pump that same guy and attack with them. I like it in limited. It's not good in EDH. It's not good in a lot of other places. Though, rebound as a mechanic would be awesome, awesome in EDH. So I'm, I'm looking for maybe like maybe an overcosted spell for standard or for any other environment. I really have no idea off the top of my head, and I can't. I don't have the time to think of one. But just an overcosted um, like burn spell. Mm-hmm. Or, like five to deal three damage with rebound. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that could that could that could be that's, that's, an EDH. That's just an example, or something um, like a regrowth type effect, a red green card, kind of like. Um, but this is a card that I feel should have had rebound when it was made, and it's one of my favorite cards to play in EDH because it's just so much fun, and it's Din of the Fire Herd, and this is a card you're thinking of. It costs five red black, red black, red black, so it's converted mana cost eight. It's a sorcery from Shadowmoor. Put a 5-5 five, five black and red elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Target opponent sacks a creature for each black creature you control, then sacks a land for each red creature you control. And if that card had rebound, it might have actually ever gotten played. Right, like if that card costed two more mana and had rebound, it'd be incredible. But I just mean like a, a big splashy spell like that. It doesn't even need to have rebound. It doesn't even need to cost two more. At eight, it's almost already overcosted for what it does. I mean, usually when this card was played, you might have had a black ple- another black creature in play, so your opponent's sacrificing two creatures. When you give it rebound, they're going to be sacrificing three creatures in total and sacrificing three lands if you have nothing on the board. I, it's, it's a fun card in itself. I've always loved it in the Fire Herd, and I really wish it had rebound. It would have been... It would have made me so much happier. I think that that'd be a that's a weird game to play. Like look through your deck, just find a card and give it rebound. Like 
Oh god, don't do it with Cards with Storm. That hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah, because like Brain Freeze needed rebound. <laughs> Mind's like... Desire with rebound, guys. Gifts Ungiven with rebound. All right. Blue cards shouldn't have rebound. Envy the Warren shouldn't have rebound either, for that matter. But uh, moving on. Well, that was the spoilers, even though we were totally uh, kind of half-hazardous. Half-hazardous. Haphazardly? Hap- yeah, that, that's better. I can't pronounce it. It's way too late at night for me to be awake without coffee. Um... So those are the spoilers. Remember about the contest. It does end April 11th, so get your get your generals in. Get your submissions. That's what I was looking for. Get your submissions in. Uh, now we're going to move on to hidden gems, and I know Tom has some, and I have some that I want to discuss. I will let Tom go first. All right, so this is a card that we had talked about before, but we never really sort of threw it to your guys' face, and it's a great card that's amazing in EDH. Uh, this is Wilderness Elemental. It's for one red and a green. Dash Trample. Wilderness Elemental's power is equal to the number of non-basic lands your opponents control. It's star slash three. Uh, I, I, I've talked about this before. It's great in a set in Crows and Stonebrow, that guy. Crows and Stonebrow deck. Um, he's, he's great. He already has Trample, so he interacts with your general. But uh, the fact is, uh, non-basic land your opponent's control, so it's all of your opponents. Religiously, when he comes down on that third turn, he's going to be a 3-3. He just gets bigger when your opponents start playing not playing their lands, because you play non-basic lands in EDH. And then, on top of that, you make people start to mana screw themselves, because they get tired of making this guy bigger. So they start not playing those non-basic lands, and you just get to sit back there and laugh while they have mana troubles. So he does a lot of different things in EDH. He becomes a big body for a really small amount, and he's interactive with one of, I'm going to say, the best generals in EDH, or at least one of the most fun. So Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. I mean, it's a really good card, just overall. And kind of a rule for low drops for EDH is they have to have some sort of impact late game, and he definitely does. Um, yeah, even if you top deck him, you're like, okay, I just top decked a 12-3 with Trample. Yeah. The card that I'm going to talk about is a blue draw spell. Big shocker. It's Rush of Knowledge. Um, it's four and a blue sorcery. Draw cards equal to the converter mana cost, or the highest converter mana cost among permanents you control. It's a combo. It's from Scourge. Yeah. It's incredible in EDH. Especially in... Um, it works really well with Reaper King, because you play Reaper King for five, then you play Rush of Knowledge the next turn and draw ten cards. But... Any spell, because you have so many permanents, like if you're playing a, um, like a, a blue-green deck. I forgot what the guy's name was. The blue-green... Um, Momir Vig. Momir Vig, thank you. The Simic guy. Yeah. Um, you're playing a blue-green deck, and you have Mana Reflection up, then you Rush of Knowledge. You draw six cards. It's, it's a really great draw spell. So, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's necessarily a hidden gem. I know I play it in a lot of my blue decks. I don't know if anyone else does. But I really, it's a card that I definitely swear by. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it because it's quote unquote overcosted. But when you're playing concentrate to draw three cards at four, and for five you can draw six, it's kind of a little bit better in that situation. Um, a card to talk about is a card that I actually learned of on um, on MTGO. Okay, so it's Hibernation's End. It costs four and a green, and it's an enchantment. It has a cumulative upkeep of one. Whenever you play Hibernation's End, 
ends cumulative upkeep. You may search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of age counters on Hibernation's end and put it onto the battlefield. If you do, shelf your library. So I was watching Kevin play against this guy who lands it on turn five. And Kevin says, oh, well, that's not that bad. I don't really have to worry about it. So the next turn comes, he gets a BOP out from the upkeep. Next turn comes, he takes out a Kasali Pride Mage. And it's like, okay, this is getting sort of bad. Next turn, turn three, Wooly Thoktar. Turn four, he has um, Phantom Centaur. Turn five, it just gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on. It's really, if, you've, if you're playing against people who have never seen the card before, they don't realize how good it is. You're going to want to tailor your deck for it, though. You're going to want to have at least one one drop, a couple two drops, play something like Vexing Shusher, play Kasali Pride Mage, play those guys that just work around things. Then your three, four, and five drops are definitely going to be creatures you're already going to have. You can get stuff like Kitchen Finks out. It's a great, great, great tutor slash something that just breaks the game. It's awesome. People leave it around, and you can just sit back and just keep on playing the upkeep and just laugh and laugh while you get creatures into play. Alrighty, can well, you tell I love this card? Yeah, you, you were like swooning over it. It was kind of weird. The next card that I'm going to talk about is Rush of Knowledge. Sorry. You already Rush talked about Rush of Knowledge. I was looking for it while I was saying it. I meant Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune is a rare from Fifth Dawn. It costs four and two red. It's a sorcery. Target opponent reveals his or her hand. You may copy an instant or sorcery card in it and play the copy without playing its mana cost. So this is in the War deck, which is really cool because you can conspire it. And then you choose an opponent and you get to play one of their spells. The spells in EDH are really big, really balmy. Um, say, for instance, you look at some a blue player's hand and play their Rush of Knowledge. You're drawing at least six cards if you have War the Raid Mother out, and if you conspired it, you can play another one of their spells or another one of somebody else's spells. It's really, really fun. Um, it's a wacky card. It's one of those cards that you, you do something that you normally don't do in Magic, which is play a spell from someone else's hand. And it's also, I just noticed it's in red, which is not like, I don't know if this shifted recently, but this ability really isn't a red ability. Sentence Triplets is kind of, kind of has the same ability. I mean, you play their spells, you don't play copies of them. But overall, I think Reversal Fortune is just a really good card, because it, it has versatility in the sense that you can just pick an opponent and hope for the best. I like this kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff in the age. Alright, so I'm going to talk about a card that I actually got from the Mana Pool. And um, it's, I know Mana Pool, they're casual guys, right? They don't know shit about playing good cards. Completely and absolutely incorrect. I love this card, and I love using it. It's a blowout whenever it's played. And I love the Mana Pool, for that matter. Exactly, so do I. They're one of my favorite podcasts. So, for two red-white hybrid, red-white hybrid, it's an instant from Ravnica, City of Guilds. This is what it says. Cast Master Warcraft only before attackers are declared. You choose which creatures attack this turn. You choose how each creature blocks this turn. So the I've, I've had this happen in an actual EDH game, and it's been one of my favorite things to ever happen. This guy casts Insurrection. And some guy across the table just starts laughing maniacally, and everyone's like, what's wrong with you? And he plays Master Warcraft. The guy who just played Master Warcraft ends up taking out two other people with these creatures. 
So it's a great answer to one of the best spells in EDH, Insurrection. And it's just all around good when you want to get rid of, like, utility creatures that never block. Like if you want to get rid of a you want to get rid of a Miss Metal Witch that never blocks, or a uh, a Withered Wretch that never blocks, or an Izumi Grave Robber, you just take control of some big green guy's turn with Master Warcraft or his attacking step, and you just have him attack these like little creatures, have them block, and you just get to sit back and sort of have fun. It's also a good way to get rid of big attackers. You attack them into somebody else's whole entire team, and they all block and they all die, and you just have fun. It's a great, great, great card. Can't suggest it enough. If you're in red-white, it's a must-play. Uh, I completely agree. I think that card is really cool. Oh, the only issue that I would have if I played that, or some tech against it, is play cards with banding, just to confuse your opponent. Oh, that'd be mean. No one plays cards with banding. The only good banding card is a card... It's War Elephant. It was for two and a white, and it's a 2-2 two, two with banding. It's an elephant that's a frickin' 2-2, two, two, Trevor. That's not fair to elephants. But honestly, like, that that kind of stuff, that's really cool. And I don't I don't know why, but being able to control attackers and blockers and choose accordingly, it, it kind of reminds me of chess. It shouldn't. I think the artwork is a guy looking at a map that looks like It really board. is. I think that might be why, but it, it's really just, it, it adds a new level of strategy to the game that you don't normally have. So, I, I like that card a lot. Speaking of which, I actually almost got War Elephant right. I'm sorry. It's three and a right for a banding, trampling, two-two. Elephant. Banding sucks. I also don't understand how it works, so it extra sucks. Yeah, Brian from the Avant Card Show has explained banding to me at least three times. I, I still don't really get it. But we're not, we're not going to become the banding podcast. We are going to try to get back on topic. <laughs> I am done with hidden gems. I don't know about you. But I do want to move on to our little sneak peek for what we're going to be talking about for episode 32, or part of what we'll be talking about for episode 32. Uh, yeah, that sounds like... Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds good to me, man. All right, cool. Well, just a precursor, in case some of you are just tuning in now, on episode 27, which was I Like Pecans, or I Prefer Pecan, um, we had Robbie from MTG Color Pie on the podcast. Really great blog. Go check it out. And we uh, we made a joke about having a five-hour-long podcast for episode 32, and we got some comments and some remarks about it, and people seem to actually be cool on the idea, so we're thinking about doing it, and we're going to have to have we were, a lot to talk about. And we think we sort of found the idea of a lot to talk about, and it's from a really... I'm going to say cool user because I have no idea what he's actually like. But he gave us a really good idea. Um, his name is The Count. And Trevor, would you like to talk about what he said? Yeah, um, I'm not quoting. I'm paraphrasing what he what he uh, recommended that we do. And that was find cards in colors that do things that seem out of the color pie for that card. For example, um, he has a red-black deck and he wants to find ways to protect or recur enchantments. <laughs> I feel bad because I have I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Right, and that's why we're going to do this on episode thirty-two, so we have some time to prepare. Um, some other examples that I have in the show notes are finding good creature removal in green, finding um, artifact removal in blue, as well as card draw in white. Now, just for another little side note, we are going to talk about artifacts when we do talk about this because they are a good workaround for a lot of the issues that you run into. Um, Definitely will be. Yeah, Pilgrim's Eye is mana fixing for any color. Thumbs up. 
awesome. Uh, but Journey is tight. Yeah, but other than that, some cards, like some examples that I have sitting right here, I'm not going to get into a lot, but for card draw in green, we have a Sylvan Library, which is an enchantment, one in a green. You may draw two extra cards during your draw phase. If you do, put two cards drawn this turn on the top of your library in any order, or pay four life per card not replaced. I just, I realize that I should have read that from Oracle and not from the ancient card, but you just get to draw two cards and you have to put two cards back on top, draw two extra cards. And you have to put two cards back on top of your deck or pay for a life. Yeah, it's pretty much like topping at the beginning of your keep without, without having to play white and being able to get the cards if you want. It's a great EDH card and it's almost a staple. Yeah, two others really uh, just quickly are Yamavine Elder and Harmonize. Both can draw you a card in some way or another. And, for, and, oh, go ahead. and then another one, Green Creature Removal. One of my favorite cards just because, seriously... This was how it was worded when it was first when it first came out. Desert Twister. All right. So it was for four green green, and the revised edition literally says, "Destroy any card in play for four green green." It's kind of awesome. So it's like I Desert Twister anything. I know it costs a lot, but sometimes you just want to kill something, and nothing's better to kill it than with a twister. All right, and so for some non-random card draw in red, because a lot of uh, the card draw in red is, like, draw three cards and then randomly discard two or something like that. We, Goblin's Lore, yeah. Yeah, we have Null Spine Dragon, which is a 7-5 from Shadowmoor. Damn, I forgot about that guy. He's yeah. great. He's 5-2 red for a flyer. When he comes into play, you may discard your hand and draw cards equal to the damage dealt to a target opponent this turn. So... Just, just an example. We'll get to more of that definitely, definitely, definitely on episode 32. So look forward to that episode. It's going to be a marathon-long podcast. Um, I'm ready. Uh, I am, too. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. Let's put it that way. So It's going to be uh, three weeks from now because this is 29. Hopefully Eldrazi will be spoiled because I have a feeling, just a little bit of a feeling, that we're definitely going to be using some Rise of the Eldrazi cards. Oh, yeah. Colorless. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another loophole. Uh, another thing that I wanted to quickly mention before we wrap up is I started a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Radio. It's T-H-E and then MTG Radio because some scoundrel stole MTG Radio. Um, so far I have posted a deck tech for my Sense Triplets deck and... Um, uh, Quick overview on mana bases? Yeah, an EDH overview of mana base construction because we had a comment in the last podcast that we were incorrect about basic lands, which we were. And then one of my favorite listeners, uh, Kellen Huber, it's, it's like Hubert, but without the T, so Huber, nicely mentioned that's completely incorrect. Lands whose types include swamps, islands, plains, forests, and or mountains, an example, basic lands, shock lands, dual lands, shadow moor, special basic, etc., do contain the corresponding man symbols. And as per the EDH rules, as such, they may not appear in a deck unless a general is of the corresponding colors. So, you guys were right when you were telling me that I was wrong, that you can't play basic lands in a Karn and or Eldrazi general deck. Right. So, I've realized with that comment and with Tom's confusion as well as... Um I believe Kellen himself was confused for a little while, uh, that there are a lot of stipulations to the rules that I really want to go over, and video form is a really good way to do that. So as of right now, the videos are a little bit iffy on quality, I would say, because I'm still getting used to it. 
Just like our first and second podcast were iffy on quality. Right. And um, the formats and stuff, I'm sure it'll get better as time goes on. But uh, I just wanted to let you guys know, you could hop over there on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. I'd really appreciate it. If you have any tips, especially tips about editing video on a Windows, on a PC. Okay. Uh, just really quick aside, I am not a Mac person. I don't like Macs. But this is the first time that I've wanted one because... Hey, 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 Trevor, the, you just don't have the right program. Could you please not illegally download Adobe Premiere Pro and use it? It will save your life. And I can teach you how to use it because I love Adobe Premiere Pro because okay. I'm an editor at heart of video. Okay, then I will, I will ask my co-host Tom for help. But I believe that is all we have. This was a rather short podcast, I think. I honestly don't know. But it's just because it's 15 minutes until midnight. Yeah. It's it's getting kind of late, and we both have to be up early for class tomorrow. This podcast will go up soon, hopefully. and I hope Wednesday. Quality, you yeah. can say Wednesday. Wednesday. And I hope the quality's okay. Skype's been acting up, so I hope it's all good. Um, but yeah, other than that, remember to enter the contest. You can email Rem- us at mtgradio at mtgcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash mpgradio. And and I guess you can look forward to episode 32. I think we're definitely going to have to try and schedule to get at least Kevin on. We're going to try and get other people. I'm thinking I'm thinking more than three people. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we should see if Brooke and Sarah could make a guest appearance on episode 32. That's bullshit, Trevor. I love you, but it's not happening. Why not? Because that's too much giggling in one podcast. Plus, they won't know what they're talking about. They're girls. <gasps> and for episode 29 of MTG Radio, Tom Sexist, <laughs> this has been Trevor. And Tom, who is not sexist, but just pointing out a very bad point in Trevor's plan. And thanks for tuning in. <laughs>